welcome to What the What. This is Renee. And this is Jeff. How are you all doing? I don't know why I asked that. Nobody can nobody <laughs> can answer that question. I think you're asking how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, how are you doing? I'm, I'm pretty drained right now. It's been a long, it was a long weekend. So well, it was pretty, it was I, full of fun stuff. It, right? it was full of fun. It was definitely a fun weekend. And I'm drained right, I'm tired right now. So So you're going to um just give me monosyllabic answers to Probably. Yeah, Probably. Okay. So we're gonna talk about something. But first, let's get a little bit of background. So of of the two, we're going to talk about the future and the visions of the future, which is, um, as, as we see it being presented in science fiction, fantasy, even MCU, right? Like all these different ways that, and, and books as well, if that kind of comes up, but all the different ways that we as humans envision what our future will look like. And two of the big ones in the field, of course, are Star Trek and Star Wars. Although, although Star Wars might could be argued to not be our future right it's, right it's, it, it's a historical correct yeah it's historical yeah what do you mean what do you mean by that in, in a long time ago in a galaxy far far away <laughs> literally the first things you see in star wars is this happened in the past right but it would still if it were the future it would still be if it were our future it would still be our future yeah yeah right so yeah. it's historical <laughs> okay so of those which of the two are you most familiar with Oh, definitely Star Wars. Okay, I, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with like the TV for Star Trek, the TV show, and the early movies. Mm -hmm. A little bit of Next Generation, but not as much. So why? Okay, because that I think the divide that people have created between those two stems largely from this idea of what are we doing in the stars, right? Like right. what happens, and so whether it's the future or if it's not, but you know, sort of. Uh, what are we doing out in the stars? And those and those two have often been pitted against each other, right? Like you're either a Star Trek, and and we talked about it last week with Yorana about um, whether you're a Star Trek or a Star Wars fan. But what what's the real divide between those two? Like why like one but not the other? So while while we're talking, so next week's episode is going to be a grab bag of topics. I'm going to go ahead and remove this topic from what I'm thinking <laughs> okay. of for next week. Okay. <laughs> oh, since we're since we're going to cover it now. So for me, um, like, I, like I didn't when I was a kid watching this stuff. I didn't really, I didn't really see the why. I didn't really see the distinction. Um, Star Wars, Star Wars was more fantasy and it was more fast paced and more action oriented. Mm -hmm. So for a kid, it was just more shiny lights. Whereas Star Trek, you know, you're thinking like, you know, w you know, when I'm four, five, six years old, that cast was already well into their forties. Yeah. So it was just like. You know, for me, Star Trek versus Star Wars was fun and exciting versus a bunch of old geezers running around San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco? What are you talking about? Star, Star Trek Four. Oh, the movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I, is, isn't Star Trek based, isn't the, the Intergalactic Alliance based out of San Francisco? Um, isn't there the headquarters there? No, I think it's actually Iowa, somewhere in Iowa. They have headquarters all over. Yeah. Oh gosh, this is where Yubana is going to be listening and be like, <laughs> "God damn it!" And she'll have that like tidbit for us, and so yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so for me, Star Wars. Star Wars was fantasy. It was just funner, um, and I think that's I think that's actually why Star Trek people, Trekkies or Trekkers, whatever you happen to be, I think that's why they prefer Star Trek because it was it wasn't space blasters and space wars. It was a it was it was more geared towards intelligent solutions to problems. 
Yeah, and in and in a more explicit way, it was clearly an allegory for our current situation. I mean, in yeah. Star Wars, it's too right, like the dark dark tides rising. But um, well, Star Wars was was actually in that sense, it was it was also more historical because it was it was more it was more concerned with the rise of fascism. Yeah, right. Which with, is yeah. Yeah. But like I mean, right now too, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not in 1980. We, I don't think George Lucas. I mean, he might have been warning that it could happen. I don't think he was intentionally that, thinking no, that I, no. the U.S. would become a fascist, potentially fascist country. Correct. Yes. Yeah. No. Um. So, but then what? So, so like, let's say, given those choices now, because so, I kind of agree. Like, um, not kind of agree. I agree that that Star Wars is really fun. I wouldn't call Star Trek fun. All the yeah. time. It was kind of grim. Um, but of course, I think one of the big, big sort of, that was the medium because Star Trek was accessible to me weekly. Right. Yeah. Whereas Star Wars, you had to wait and you had to. Three years. Yes. Yeah. Three long, excruciating yeah. years. Yeah. 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 You had to go and you had to wait and it was a lot of buildup and, you know, and so Star Trek is also like portioned out in a different way. So that was partly what made me the fan. Well, also, so when did you start? When did you first start watching Star Star Trek? I am not good with dates, but I definitely was watching at a time when I when I was old enough to have a crush on crush on Wesley Crusher, right? So, so next generation, next generation. Oh yeah, okay, there's yeah. no I because as far as I understand, but of course you couldn't get anything on demand back then. I didn't have access to the original. So like I, they were only playing Next Generation, so I didn't have a way to to watch the old okay. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I started I started with the original show in syndication. Oh wow. Okay. So because I, I was so you know like I was I was more aware of the show, the, the the original show long before Next Generation came out. But see that one that one I think in contrast to Next Generation is less that that's definitely more space blasters and sexy aliens, right? So so maybe. So so that there's um. A, l- a little later, I, I was actually. I, it's funny you actually chose this topic because I, I actually was researching this topic. Oh, really? Yeah, I was. I was. Um, but but we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get into what I what I was looking at a bit later. Um, but just going back to the, the 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 comparison between Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, yeah the the show the show was definitely more campy. The the original show oh, yeah. had a level of camp to it. Oh yeah. But it still was. I think even in the show there was a there was a, a sense of moral ambiguity. In the in in Star. So, the so for example, Star so, yeah. yeah. So for yeah. example, Star Wars, the original one of Star Wars, there really is no ambiguity. It's literally the black hats versus the white hats. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so yeah. Whereas with Star Trek, I, from from what I remember, there were episodes where like people questioned their actions and. Although Han Solo isn't he one of those ones that kind of rides the line of of that sort of briefly? Yeah, that's yeah. true. He yeah. ultimately comes to the right side. Yeah. yeah, um, that 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 would be explored later in the in the in the solo movies or movie, maybe more coming down the pipe later. Well, and maybe it goes back to that thing that we had talked about about um, villains is that like Han Solo had um, did bad like criminal things, but with good intentions, right? Like a good heart, so yeah. he kind of yeah. wasn't actually a villain in any way. So, so why why did you so besides it being on every week? Why did you like what well, what did you like about Next Generation? 
I okay. So what's really interesting is you know we have talked a, a couple of episodes back about like TV shows that we had ingested when we were younger, and and part of it is I don't. I think it was when I got glasses, and so I was actually able to see things, and that probably didn't happen until I was in double digits, so like ten or eleven. So so there are there are TV shows. Of course, I thought about this all later. Like there are TV shows that were sort of in my atmosphere that I knew about, but didn't actually get to ingest maybe in a concrete way because I didn't, we didn't have control of the TV. There was one TV, my dad, it was my dad's TV. Right. But one of the things my mom sort of was able to sneak in were these shows that she really appreciated. So one of the things that was big for her was um, not tales from the crypt, but um, the dark side, not the dark side, the twilight zone. So the twilight zone um, were stored, like I would hear that music. So she would listen to it. She would watch it when we were already in bed and, but you'd hear the music playing and that kind of goes back to my mom's like willingness to ingest darkness. Like there's a lot of that, you know, I think in her culture. But then one of the other ones was Star Trek. And so she was an original kind of like with Yobana and her dad. I was I have a strong connection to that with my mother who would often use the Star Trek episodes to talk about what was currently happening in, in the world and our lives. And so she would reference stories from that to talk about it. So even th- with the original Star Trek. And so even before I sort of watched it myself, it was in my family. And I don't know that my siblings had that same experience, but I know that like, because I requested different, I mean, we all have our own experiences with our parents, but like I thought out those stories from my mother. So, so Star Trek was kind of embedded very deeply in my family. Yeah. I think Star Wars is more escapist. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think too many people were sitting around having life lessons. From no, the, the, right. And it's not to say that there's nothing you can't take away from Star Wars, but that wasn't the focus of it. No. That was bash your toys together and say bang bang. Yeah, yeah, and rescue a princess and yeah, yeah and zoom yeah. away and yeah, I mean that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like there was this really classic episode where my mom was telling us about that they went and visited a planet where um, the alien, the well, the residents of that planet had black and their faces were divided into black and white and they were at war with each other. And so when they landed, they said, why, why are you, why are you guys fighting? And they're like, well, they have black on the left side of their face and we have black on the right side of our face. And so they had, they were having this war about this difference. And, and so her whole point was like, but that difference is moot at the end of the day, you know, like that's one of those things. And I know it's not really that simple, but um, so that was one of the lessons she had brought forward from, you know, Kirk and probably Spock actually I think Spock more of her favorite. So so, like, that was in my life more. Yeah. But, but like, but then when I was able to control TV, I Next Generation was on. Well, so, so are you watching the, the newer shows? I am, yes. All right, Picard? I'm not sure what channel it's on. It's I'm CBS. Sure it's CBS, CBS, but it's all access. It's the network. It's the access. And so access. I have watched it. I'll just say I have access to these shows. Not the current season, actually, of Discovery. Um, and they are, I think, doing something that some purists are a little upset about, which is they're blending a little bit more of the energy from, they're like sort of flavoring a little bit more of the energy from Star Wars, where there's like, it's high action, fast paced, a little bit more sort of steamy and a little bit more drama. And like, there's some double crossing and there's like doubles and there's like, it's it's very interesting. And I think it, but to, it's very true to its core of revealing a philosophical or moral conundrum of modern life. Yeah, so so actually, so that's what I was looking at. So Rob Robert Meyer Burnett, he's um he's kind of a Hollywood background person, like because he's done some video editing. Is he a producer? 
No, more like I think he's done some video editing, and he like prepares like um, back in the '80s, he was preparing like the DVDs and the the you know, and then later the Blu-rays. Um, and then he pops up on different YouTube shows, but he, but he's got his own show, and he's he's talked extensively. Star Trek is probably his favorite franchise. Mm-hmm. So so he's he's talked extensively, in particular about Picard, and like stuff you've seen in Picard just would not happen. In the original show, like just the callousness, their the the callous approach to life, and just like rampant murders happening in the show, and yeah, and yeah, like, I, this, yeah. This, is, this is not Star Trek. Yeah, and that will be interesting. I I find Picard out of all of the new reboots to be the least interesting, partly because of that. Yeah, and I like, and you know me, I like a shoot 'em up. Like right. I I like an action, but yeah, I it definitely changes my perception of. Picard, the the character, yeah, and it's and it's not every so. Sometimes people complain about the MCU and they say they just want they just want standalone movies. They want they want a movie where a story is contained within that. And I'm like, yeah. well, you have 400 of those a year. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is something different. And I think I think in that regard, Star Trek was something different. It wasn't. It's not an action show. It's not a shoot 'em up. Right. And if it becomes one then is there anything out there doing what Star Trek right. used to do? Exactly. Like, if it becomes Supernatural, like the yeah. TV show Supernatural, like, why wouldn't I just watch Supernatural then? Right. right? Like, yeah, why Why am I watching this? Yeah. Yeah, and then, but, but I think what's really difficult is, like, for all... So so there's still this gap then of, and, I, you know, again, putting Star Wars aside, whether or not it's our future or not, but, like, there's this really big gap, which we see hugely in science fiction, particularly science fiction, which um, was written in the 60s and the 70s, which envisioned a future that was still male, white, male, hetero, hetero, heterocentric, right? So, so one of the big gaps still within Star Trek was that it was racially, you know, pretty monochromatic, and and whether or not you can argue the Klingons are ra- like like again, they're they're not they're a different race, like species, I guess is what we're trying to say here. Like they're not they're not representative of a race, and they're not meant to be, right? So, right. well, I mean, some people take them that way, but that's aside. Is that there wasn't a, a lot of diversity? Well, I mean, they're saying like they're standard, but then you have all the problems with the Klingons being racially like being being uh, coded. Yes, coded. So yes, in in fantasy RPGs, this is something that comes up a lot. Of course, because there's so there's actually there's I, I just started replaying a game from like 1994. It's my all time favorite video game. Um, but it What's is it called? Might and Magic Six. Okay. Um, so this has been around forever, and I'm and I'm I'm actually playing it. To use the material from the game, the the resources of the game in a future Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Mm-hmm. So I kind of need to go through and just clear everything out so I can have blank screenshots. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the representation in that game yeah. is so bad. Yeah, the only black people in it are like cannibals and and um, yeah, basically yeah, cannibals. Yeah, um, and in in a lot of Tolkien based fantasy stuff, orcs yep. get quoted as black. Yep. Yes. Yes. Which, yeah. It's highly problematic. I mean, the, I mean, if, cause, cause we really sort of looking at like the future we're envisioning is still about our present. Yeah. And, and so then we have these instances. So I think one of the things, for example, with Discovery, which was felt really amazing, the new series with Discovery, is that it had a black female lead. Like that, that felt revolutionary, yeah. right? And, and which is sad that we're 2020, you know, 2021. 20, yeah. Where are we? What's happening? Yeah. yeah. 
and that was actually something that Rob Meyer Burnett mentioned. Um, he, so he, it was just a quick aside, but he acknowledged that the original, the original conceit of Star Trek was still very much American colonialism. Oh yeah, it was like it was a bunch of white Americans yeah. colonizing, exploring the entire cosmos to colonize it. Yes, correct. So correct, and there were, I mean, to, I mean, in that in that sense, one of the big, the the prime directive though includes that you can't actually colonize but but yes it's still indoctrinating people into a particular right. yeah. yeah um yeah yeah so and and it almost makes me and the, you know this this is probably this is probably just a, an aside that we should probably explore in the future just like really explore this but how do you tell an exploration story without it looking like colonialism right i mean it's happened star, and... star trek stays the fuck home <laughs> and they just stay on Earth and don't go anywhere? Well, maybe. I mean, to some extent that there is like, like, okay, here's a question. If you, if you could jump forward into the future or into the past, you could go one direction, forward or back, what, um, and, but you knew that you wouldn't be able to return. Would you go forward or back? I'd go back. Right. I have no knowledge of the future. Yeah. I could use my knowledge of the past to be, to, to you know. Yeah. I, I have. And, and honestly, right now, um, nostalgia. I'm at that. I'm at that age where I'm really interested in nostalgia. Mm. So I'm doing everything I can to kick the future down down the road. I don't want it to come. Oh. I want 1984 to come back. Not the book, but the <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's weird. 1984 was like a really peculiar, peculiarly um, productive year. For, for pop culture stuff that I like. Didn't we talk about that? We or, may have. Yeah. Whether it was music, G.I. Yeah. Joe, yeah, Transformers, yeah. like like 1984 was like an expl- like a pretty explosive year. Yeah. But, and I would 100% jump forward. Yeah. I would go, and someone's like, well, what if you forwarded into a hellscape? I'm like, yeah, I, that's I, that's the risk, right? Like, and you could forward into a land where, um, where yeah, people who look like me are enslaved, and and then I'm like row row like, but also just knowing that that could happen, like, and so yeah. this idea of like what we envision, but then we also I think the ability to leap forward does have something to do with what we think the future is going to bring. So what what do you think the future is going to bring? Sadly, sad, sadly, I think more of the same. Like I I I don't think so. One of the things. Um, I had had a conversation with my with my brother a long time ago when he was out visiting Tucson. This was years and years ago, and um, so now that I'm giving a shout out to my brother, I also have to give a shout out to my nephew, who apparently is six months old but still a fan of the show, right? So my brother, so my nephew Lincoln, um, and one of the things he had talked about because like I didn't study history, I wasn't interested in that personally. So, um, so if we're going forward, um, so one of the things he had talked about was that the mistake people make, the mistake people make is thinking that progress is exponential and that what you do is that once something happens it sort of starts to to grow in a way that sort of creates a j-curve and it just takes off and it goes but that it's really not it's it's very plotting and it goes backwards and it goes forward and then you plateau for a really long time and and so honestly i think that i would love to think that if i jumped forward i'd be jumping into star trek but i would not be jumping into star trek i we really just wouldn't you know it's not not it's, we're not even close to Star Trek. Yeah. So I actually saw the the movie that I ended up seeing last week was Land with Robin Wright. Right. Yes. And that actually might be 
not not it's not what they were intending but but that actually might be a different view of the future oh where where we eschew technology and actually go back to living to 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 trying to live off the land or going back to our to naturalistic roots i'd like to think that's what our future holds probably not though yeah no because Okay, if we look at the history, and again, I, I'm not an anthropologist, but you are, right? Yeah. So, like, if we look at the, the history of humanity, we, how often do we actually abandon a technology and abandon it and go backwards, right? Like, it, it's not done. Like, not on a huge scale. Like, if any, um, unless, it's, unless it's something like the, the dwellings is the, the ones here in, in Arizona where they are just all the, the cave dwellings and they're and everything's gone. And so like all the people, people disappeared. They don't know what happened to them, but it's probably, it was probably drought. But um, just this idea is we don't do that. We don't abandon technology. Well, two, two, two things. One, it's a really short, you know, we're, we're only talking about 2,500, 3,000 years of history. So we don't have, we don't have enough of a timeline to have examples of, 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 to know if that if that's true or not and we've only in the last 170 years developed technology that could wipe us off the planet so well yeah yes absolutely and that would be that would be fair like i think we we have to leave things partly because they destroy us yeah but that's not the same thing as being like we shall put down our iphones and we should <laughs> we're not we're, I, yeah yeah well and and then and then the other the other real big problem with that is and as i was saying it um Seven billion people on the planet are not going back to subsistence. Planet. No, <laughs> so there. So we can. How could we, we can, possibly? We yeah. can look at all the deleterious effects of technology and the industrial revolution. But the fact is, it took it. The industrial revolution allowed the human population to go from a few hundred million to seven billion. Yeah. In in hundred fifty years. Yeah. You're not putting that toothpaste back in the in the tube. No. no. So, um, most the more I think the more likely answer. Um, and it's what it's what I'm deathly afraid of is we get to a point where there is no hope for revolution. Yeah. Where the where the it's a ro you know, robocop security state. Oh. And anybody that even tries to revolt or or Orwellian. My 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 Correct. worst fear is there is there a Orwellian future where you can't you 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 can't even think about the possibility of 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 overthrowing a system regime. yeah i think i think that's where the future is headed i don't um, think it's gonna be star trek oh man or maybe star trek was that oppressive future but we're only seeing it from the ruler's point of view <laughs> okay well there's an idea and actually <laughs> actually i do want to talk a little more a little actually a little bit more about that so, okay but let's take a break first yeah. and then we'll come back and talk about that Okay, and we are back to the grim, grim future. <laughs> I just, that's going to be a rough one to end on a high note, I think. Because, yeah. you know, one of the things I think, so there's a couple of ways we as humans have forecasted the future, right? Right. And one of the jokes is that um, the future they envisioned in Back to the Future has passed and we were supposed to have hoverboards, right? Like we were supposed to have jetpacks is kind yeah. of one of the ongoing lines. Um, then there's a vision that's like Mad Max where it's a post-apocalyptic, something has destroyed the infrastructure of humanity. Um, and But one of the big ones is the AI. 
situation. And I, I'm the little, I, and I think, I don't know that there are the people who are listening to this podcast, and I think there are people who are sort of in the field of AI who might be like, no, no, it is creepy. You don't know what's coming. Oh, it is. But I, a fucking Siri can't even understand me talking. Like, she can't capture, like, if I say something, she does not understand. Me. Like, she cannot. So, like, I, I, we can't even get that right. Like, she will put the word ducking instead of fucking. And I'm like, I, I can't, like, so... So I don't see AI. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that AI isn't intelligent. It means that it was coded specifically to avoid profanity. Well, I mean, ducking is just one example. But I right. mean, just like yeah. I, she, but she just never. She'll be like, "Did you mean well?" And I'm like, "No, I meant we will, well." So you know what I mean? Just all these different ways that that interface does not convince me. But that interface is less than twenty years old. Like it's actually pretty remarkable. That it, 20 years ago, 2001, all right, let's go to 2000. We don't want to talk about 2001. That was a <laughs> shitty year. 2000, yeah, when people, when, when my roommate and I, he was getting his first computer and we were first hooking up to the internet to think, and, and I, and I remember, I remember being in the barracks at Fort Hood and he was trying to do the voice recognition and like, it just would not, like comp- nothing. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't. And, and now we're at a point where you don't even have to do. You don't have to set up your voice recognition. It's just going to recognize. It's it's like it's pretty. Re- it is pretty remarkable how far that technology has come. Absolutely, but that's still not artificial intelligence. So so where is like? Do you think? Because it's not. It's just it's it's it. That thing doesn't learn. It doesn't under. It doesn't get better at what it's yeah. doing. It continues to make the same goddamn mistakes until I go in and program autocorrects for it. Right. So like where? So is it realistic that we? That the well, one that AI is going to get that advance, and two that it would be willing to take us over, like the Terminator. Is that even a realistic vision? Yes. Oh, you think so? Yes, on a long enough timeline, absolutely. It's just it's just a question of how long. Um, so Deep Blue, have you have you heard of Deep Blue? Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's a, it, no, not the movie, the computer program. Oh, it was it was a computer program developed by IBM. To beat the world's best chess player, oh, right. who at the time was Gary Kasparov. Uh-huh. First time around, it didn't. But second time around, it did. And now computers are regularly crushing the the most the best chess players in the world. The difference is size and speed. So so for for, for a supercomputer to, to work on that size, it's just it has to be like it has to be a fairly large machine. Mm-hmm. To to um do that to, to match the power. processing power yeah. of, a, of a human brain right um but once you start introducing networks and cloud-based distributive performance one computer there is no one computer that can match the human brain but a thousand computers linked together all learning from each other's mistakes oh yeah like did you see her no I'm, I, I, no she her is it. One her, one. her, her, yeah, yeah. yeah with yeah, yeah. um, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the premise is, yeah. But but also that premise within that is that um, that they're not moved to um destroy us, even though they could, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Because I guess that's the question is like, why do they turn into? Why do they turn in? Why are they so angry? You know, like why is AI always so angry at us? Um, 
I don't know. Ask Ultron. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's that. any any. You know, we're we're starting to get into you were starting to, you know, get into a question about what is consciousness, right? And it is consciousness a, a qualitative difference, a qualitative right thing that we possess, yeah? Or is it just an illusion of consciousness? Is is a is a qualitative output of a whole bunch of brain power working? Correct. I tend to think I don't think there's a ghost in the machine. I am a non essentialist. Mm, okay. Um, so I think I think the difference between us and a computer is purely quantitative, huh. and eventually those computers will will be processing information fast enough to trick themselves into thinking that they are conscious, uh-huh. and then and when that happens, we'll start becoming a threat to them. Well, I mean, we will have an, have they will be enslaved by us by that at that point, right? Like, because do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they will serve us. And you know, Asimov wrote about this one too. And Anne Lucky, actually, her series, um, the auxiliary um, six series, also was talking about this artificial intelligence and what becomes of that. And that's interesting. Like, if we really think about all the different ways we could go, right? Like, so like AI, uh, zombies, um, alien invasions, um, extreme weather. Like that. Those are all visions where like everything just goes to shit, and our planet is, you know. Then you have interstellar. You have these ways that we sort of start populating. Like we have a lot of ideas about where we're going to go yeah. in, in the universe. So, so it's good. So going back to this AI question, right? You have Asimov's three rules of robotics. Right. Correct. And I don't, you probably remember what they're better than I would. I don't know. Basically, they're not going to kill us. Correct. Yeah. Right. But that presumes that the person programming them wants to preserve human life. Correct. What if the person programming those robots is a religious zealot who's trying to bring about Armageddon? Or, or they just can see that there's a monetary gain from allowing them to kill, right? Like yeah. capitalism could be the thing, right? Actually, I'm starting, I'll, I'll never get to this because I'm not really a writer, but I'm actually outlining a story that would be premised on um, everybody in the world being given their own personal robot servant. Yes. Everybody in the world gets their own robot. And that robot does all your basic, all, it does all your cooking, all your cleaning. It is your servant. Everybody in the world gets one. Until one day the, the company that produced it flips the switch. Yeah. And 90% of the robots turn on their masters. Because the whole purpose of the robot was to eliminate 90% of the human race. Yeah. So that just the elites, because why, why share? I mean, sure. I mean, that's, yes. I mean, like, that's a grim future we imagined. Like, <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's like, yeah. but then that's also buying, um, buy, buy, but then if you think about that, that's the equivalent of us having cars, right? Like, of course, something could be that easily integrated into our daily life, into our phones. Like, yes, we would do it. We yeah. would absolutely buy our own destruction. That is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, have, yeah. Probably, this is getting pretty grim. <laughs> I, well, yeah, and I guess I was trying to think through, like, if there was any visions of the future where, like, films are things that we've produced that create a happy vision of that future. Okay, Star Trek, right? The oh, yeah, Star point, Trek, yeah. The whole point, <laughs> that's what we were supposed started. to talk about when we came back from break, right? The whole point of Star Trek is supposed to be that positive image of the future. Right. But we're only seeing it from the point of view of the colonizers, Correct. of the elites, the absolute yeah. elite of the of the universe. Yes. Maybe there's still dudes and women at, at the shipyard that have to build that ship. Within the Enterprise itself, you can look at the blueprint. Picard's has this like palatial suite sure. of rooms. Sure. 
and the little red shirts are like bunking up and in the gallows. Yes, it's still hierarchical. Yeah. Yeah, it's still, yeah, we, and we don't know what they're paid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just know they're going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Picard will. Yeah, hazard pay maybe. Yeah. They, they get that and sort of that's the risk there. Yeah. So, but is that the only one? Is that really, is, is Star Trek the only one where we sort of have a vision of the future where you think I could possibly live in that? I mean, well, I mean, any, anything, any, any of the movies, whether it's Blade Runner or, or Aliens or any of those movies, you can, you can insert yourself into that and imagine how would you adapt to that environment. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything, is there anything that's rooted in technology and exploration that doesn't recreate that hierarchical society? And I can't. I no. can't. I think that's definitely one of those one of those moments like we talked ourselves to this point, and so sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I should have researched. I'm like, but I didn't know we were going to get here. But yeah, as soon as we leave, I'll be like, oh yeah, there was da 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 da. Yeah. Because yeah. I think the other thing that we often do with those types of of because really what we'd be talking about is a flat societal structure, where um, but those those societal structures are created by um, are created by technology. So right, so if Star Trek visits a planet where everything is peaceful and there's tinkling music. And they have big gardens. Those are created because they can offload labor to technology. Because as long as you have someone who needs to dig a ditch to build the buildings, you have someone who doesn't want to get their hands dirty. Right. But if you have a society that has that level of technology, right, going back to the the, the, the whole premise of the story that I was envisioning, you're the people that have invented the robots. You own the robots. What is your incentive for keeping you and me around? What's what, what's the what's the incentive for the global elites to keep the struggling masses around if they have robots to perform all their labor? Maybe, but then what's the benefit of getting rid of it? Like, what do they gain by getting rid of, rid of us? Because I'm definitely not at the top there. <laughs> I'm the person <laughs> who's buying the like low grade yeah. robot. What what do they gain though? The, the everything. What? No lines, no crowds. They don't. Those the people don't have to put up with that anyway. Well, they still, if they want to go to, um, you know, if you want to go to have a soup by falls, there's hundreds of commoners every day there that you have to deal with. Imagine, imagine not having to deal with them. Don't... Imagine all your needs being met, all your all your minerals are ored, all your mining is done, your food is grown by robots who don't care about have a soup by. Maybe, but those people aren't going to have a supai. Those people are going to a, a, an, a, an island somewhere that nobody else has touched. You say that, but the last time I was at Have a Supai, they shut down the main waterfall so that Beyonce could film her video there. Well, see, that's what she does. <laughs> you you were you weren't able to get close to to, to Beyonce, right? No, right. they shut they they closed yeah, it off. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she she flew in. They they go carted her down to the falls. Of course, she did her thing with no commoners around. Of course. And then they took off. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, she has nothing to gain by getting rid of us because she can just do that. But that's what they did. They literally got rid of us. Well, they didn't destroy you forever. She would. <laughs> Beyonce, give Beyonce a, a, a murder robot and we're all gone. No way. Not Beyonce. Because those people, because certain people, not everybody, like, I, just, idolatry is a big part of the, a big part of why they are where they are. So if you don't have people to, to idolize you, what are you? Like, what is the, what do the Kardashians uh, do, right? You need those people to cheer you, though. You need to those million Instagram likes. You need 
You need a million people. Yes. That's interesting. That yeah. might that might be the only thing. That's the only thing saving is there. Facebook sh- lights is the only thing keeping poor people alive. Instagram in the future. <laughs> you might you might be onto something there. Yeah, I mean, I also think too that um, some of the the reason we create these stratified systems is because we are also love the sense of feeling superior. So you you do want someone to scoff at. So I think that's and I think yeah. that's everybody, not just not just Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you are you familiar with Michelle Foucault? Like, friends with Michelle? Michelle, familiar with Michelle Foucault? I know, yeah. yes, okay. I am, yeah. yes. Yeah, so have, have, did you ever see, it was from the early 70s, his debate with Noam Chomsky? No, 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 you, no you've talked about this I've one. Talk, I've, it's actually the premise of, of the morning show I'm starting. Correct, it's, yes. it's where I started with. So in that, in that debate, one of the, you know, Chomsky is arguing that we need to have we need to envision what a utopian society would look like and then put all of our efforts into working towards that utopia. Yeah. And Michel Foucault is saying you can't imagine what a utopian society would look like because you only know your own society. So yes. you're just going to keep recreating it. So that might be one of the problems with shows like Star Trek. They don't, no matter who, no matter who's creating these shows, they're rooted in a hierarchical society. Yes. So they're just their shows that they create like we can't we can't comprehend what a non-hierarchical society would look like so we can't create shows to show that right and exactly and to some extent hierarchy creates narrative tension yes like it, it, that's the friction of the story is is are those things like even if i was you know jokingly referenced supernatural before but it's about heaven and hell and we and we have created those dynamics or we believe in those dynamics existing and that's 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 good story to us, yeah. you know, because because a, a society in which um, everybody had their basic needs met and they um, they felt emotionally, but also f- like the, going back to the Maslow hierarchy of needs, they felt fulfilled emotionally, but also physically. Those people are not they're not maybe they're not great stories coming out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Um, would there would we ever get to a point where one gender through the use of AI robotics, where one gender decides that the other gender is not necessary anymore? Um, I don't think as a society, no. I definitely see there could be hum- certain groups people, of people, yeah, yeah, who would say, what's the point? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, we don't need dudes. Yeah, you know? but it's actually a TikTok trend. I've seen a lot of women talking about that. Yeah. Like, we've, there was, like, yeah, I've seen it on TikTok. But, it, but in, that, in, in that regard, it's always played off as a joke. Well, and I think what it's also, well, I don't know that we're talking about the same trend, but like one of the things I've definitely seen on TikTok is women talking about what would you do if there were no men? And some of those things that they talk about are so fun, so basic. Like I would walk alone at night. I would go outside at night. I would jog. I would like all the different ways that women's like right to exist in this world is being hemmed in and curtailed by the existence of men. And um, and that that I find really sad, but it's not the same thing as saying men should go away. Yeah. Yeah. But are you seeing something? Yeah, it's like, it's like a joke. It'll be like it'll be you know it'll be like uh, uh, like a tool that opens jars and say, well, we don't need many. Anymore. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, now now that we've now that we've now that we've figured out this one little trick, yeah, men are obsolete. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that wouldn't be. I have to say, as far as the cards go, though, women definitely like long way to go before you guys can figure out how to create a baby without a uterus so yeah 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 anyways 
the future. <laughs> It'll be full of women and um, AIs taking over and also the downfall of society and extreme weather. So on a, on a, on a side note, do you remember the images of New York's uh, Times Square from like the 70s and 80s? No, no. Like think like taxi driver, like that kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't know specific details. So it, was, but... it was actually uh, Rudy Giuliani's when he was mayor. That was like one of his like claims to fame was cleaning up Times Square, getting rid of the porn houses. Yeah. And, you're right. And I get sad thinking that that stuff is gone. I, I like I like living in the idea where there, I like the idea of living in a world where dirt and grime is allowed to exist. Mm. I think that, that that push to sterilize everything while there's really good there, there are legitimate reasons for it, and there's probably a lot of really nasty crime that was going on in, in Times Square. Um, the the need to anesthetize and sterilize everything in, in the world is going to be the justification for all these post-apocalyptic scenarios we're talking about. Maybe, but you know what's something I've never thought about about Star Trek is like, what if they're kind of like, yeah, sex work is really valid. You wear a purple shirt and your job is like, you're, the work that you endeavor to do is regulated, healthy, we, you know, you have a health plan. And, but it's it's recognized as an important part of being a human. And so like Star Trek has sex workers and that and that taking some of that sort of stuff that we sort of see as like CD and gross and just being like, it's not actually CD and gross. Let's bring it into the light and make it clean and, and safe for people. I think yeah. there's something about that future that would be good. Yeah. I, that'd be, that'd, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But that's, but, but that's not what Giuliani did. No, he's he just, not. he just banned it to somewhere. Right. And that's, a, right. And I feel like that's a very American puritanical sort of essence that exists yeah. in America, which is that, um, certain things, sex, abundant, like alcohol, drug use, like those are all things that are quote unquote morally bad and they're not. And so it's it's imposing a certain moral code. And so that's the question is, is if we were to, if we were to um, create a vision of the future where people will have the right to sort of be, be, the, 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 be the most of themselves that they could be without impinging on other people's rights, would you have someone who was allowed to be a cannibal? As long as the person he was willing to eat or she was willing to eat. You've been watching Katie Hopper lately? No, I was just thinking, like, that's an example. I was trying to think of a way that, like, how <laughs> so people. The one, it's it's not a podcast. It, it's probably broadcast as a podcast, but it's Useful Idiots with Katie Hopper and Matt Taibbi. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she, that's that's a running joke. Oh. It, uh, is Katie Hopper defending necrophilia and cannibalism? Oh, not necrophilia. From, from a purely harm-reductive standpoint. Yeah. What like no harm is caused by having sex with a corpse, as long as you weren't part of the person dying. So that's been this like running running gag they've had for like a year now. My policy is if the whatever you're having sex with cannot give consent, you can't have sex with it. Like so, corpses, children, animals. But, but cannibalism is okay. If someone agrees that you can eat them, right? Like somebody's like, you can take my leg and eat it. Okay. Uh, but I'm saying I'm not saying that I'm arguing for that. I guess my point is is that like if we project into the future this idea where like if we take that Star Trek premise but spin that out to something like that, like do we include sex workers into it? Do we include the the people who do really weird surgeries, body alteration surgeries? Do we include because I think that's the part that Star Trek leaves out is what do we do with people who are not going to get a Star Trek? They're not in Starfleet. 
They right. are right, like they're the but the, but then where what are their rights in their relationship to this world that's been created that allows them to have equitable access to resources, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Trek doesn't have a lot of grime. It doesn't, it. right? Exactly, which is what was made me think of it. But that's actually another difference between the original oh. one of Star Trek and Star Wars. Star Wars, not the prequels, because that was too glossy. But the original run of the Star Wars movies was dirty. Yeah. Ships were dirty. They looked lived in. Yes. Star Trek looks like you could eat off every surface. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I, I mean, in that sense, I kind of preferred the Star Trek, but mainly, mainly because I don't see very well. And so I, I don't like how dark everything is. Like, I just want, like, can we just get some goddamn lights on? You know, so some of it is that. Plus, Star Wars, all the ships look like they'd be cold. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like the heating system never works right, and you're always like freezing, and yeah, yeah. So parts of it are just cold. So that's, that's interesting. Like <laughs> the physical comfort is part of what I'm thinking about when I think about being on a Star Wars ship. Yeah, <laughs> it'd just be gross. Yeah, Star Destroyers look like yeah. cold. Yeah, yeah, they do look cold. Yeah, and yeah. you might get choked out for yeah. no reason. Yes, and they're noisy. I just picture them being noisy and cold, and you just you, you're like, oh, could we have some sun? You know, just that sort of sort of environment. So I don't know. Maybe it's a blend of those two. Can All right. Last question. Okay. Who win? Who wins, the Enterprise or Vader's Star Destroyer? I mean, I think Vader could probably take him. So I always, in my head, it, was, it would just be like obvious, right? But I've watched a few videos and they kind of, you know, theorize how it would play out. Oh, really? And actually, the Enterprise probably has number one. The Enterprise has the ability to transport people anywhere. Correct. So they could just throw a landing party into the Star Destroyer and wreak havoc from within. Yeah, but they don't do that type of stuff. Why not? It's just not how you do. Like they, they're they. That's well, one you don't see many fight scenes in in Star Wars Trek, but like J.J. Abrams Star Trek, you do. Oh yeah, okay, good point. They they actually did that exact thing. Good point. Yeah, J.J. Abrams Star Trek. You're <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. That's yeah. right. So if it's that version, then yeah, they'd probably. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, Vader also has the Force. Yeah, Vader, Vader. And there's no, there's no, there's no, like, we don't know how that works against a shield. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It'd be interesting. I, and again, this kind of goes back to what we had talked about in a previous episode about, like, social media and how great it is that, that people are having that discussion is really, like, oh, I love cool. I love watching videos where it shows, like, how big all these various ships would actually be. Oh. So they show them, like, over London. Oh. So like, you see, like, a little TIE fighter, like, yeah. would be the size, you know, a little bit bigger than a car. Um, well, I was quite a bit bigger than a car. You know, Millennium Falcon would be like like a small boat, small yacht. Oh, yeah. Th- th- those those videos are pretty interesting. And again, those people have too much time on their hands. No, they that's, don't. That's gonna, that's going to bring about the apocalypse. No, those people have the exact right amount of time. I love that people are doing that. That's really fun. That like we're here speculating about something like stories that yeah you know someone else created. So I think there's a lot yeah. to be said for that. So yeah. So, but what's Okay, we don't know what the future is. Yeah, we don't, but we're. Bo- I think we're both pretty sure it's not going to be good. It's not. I will say, if I'm going to port into some sort of future, like let's say if we were looking at movies, port into the future, I would a thousand percent jump forward into Blade Runner 2049, purely for the aesthetics. Like I would just it, it, that that film is stunning, and and the color work in that is like next level, and. Would I actually like to live in that society? Probably not, but just just to be in that aesthetic, I would find amazing. Are you? There's a video game called Last Among Us. Yeah. And there, it's being adapted into a show. 
with uh, Pedro Pascal. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the the, the big joke is that finally he gets to he gets no. to no he doesn't get to show his face. Well, no, but he finally he finally gets to to lead a, a child through a wasteland without a helmet. Because <laughs> it's it, that's the story. It's yes. the yeah. yeah yeah. Um, but I but I wonder I wonder if. I wonder if there ha- if there almost would have to be some sort of apocalyptic event to get to some sort of egalitarian future. Uh, I don't I, honestly. I think that humans will destroy ourselves before we get to yeah, egalitarian. Probably, yeah. we're all doomed. Yeah, I mean, basically. Wow, what a grim bunch. Jim Morrison. I don't know how it's going to end, but I'm going to get my kicks in before the whole shit house goes up in flames. I mean, we may as well. I say, as all I do is stay home and read books. But you know what I mean? Like, yes. I, <laughs> that's what you like. That's true. That's right. Um, okay. That was good. Yeah. Let's talk about what... Bring us back down to the present. What are you going to recommend this week? So, I did see Land, and it was it was good. Um, I'm going to go see... Nomad Land. Yeah. Um, it's probably tomorrow night. Um, but as far as recommendations go, I think one of the things I've been struggling with is like trying to come up with a current recommendation. Oh, I'm just, yeah, old. Yeah. yeah, I'm going old. So there's some stuff on Netflix that if you haven't watched, um, either look it up on Netflix or Amazon. There's a, there's a few movies. Uh, Circle is an is it's a pretty cheesy premise, um, but it's a sci-fi movie where basically there's 30 or 40 people that are all arranged inside of this room um they're all arranged in concentric circles and then every 30 seconds um a blast of energy takes one of them out and the whole movie is them trying to figure out the rules of who it's going to kill to try to be the last and and to try to figure out who's going to be the last person to survive wow so really it's you know it's um it's a really interesting little movie Very simple, very basic, and it's and, it, and I checked it a couple days ago. It actually still is on Netflix. Is it is it uh, American or is it is it like? I'm pretty sure it's American. Is it? Okay. Yeah, and then another movie that's very similar, um, very similar in, in tone is The Exam, hmm. and basically instead of everybody a bunch of people in a circle, it's six or seven people that have to take a test in order to get this once in a lifetime job. And if you fail, you're probably going to be dead. Mm. So, so two movies. Um, those, those are the kind of like like psychological sci-fi thrillers that I love watching, and they're really really hard to come by. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. exam, the exam, and circle. Two two my two recommendations right now. Okay, I might actually watch those because yeah, yeah, I can I can tolerate darkness in two hour chunks. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm also sort of doing a retro thing and. We've kind of, I've talked, bemoaned the fact that there's not too much to watch right now. Um, And I have for the, I don't know why it took me this long, but I just figured out that Top Chef is a thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've watched like all Master Chef. I've watched all these other things, but then some, at some point, Hulu was like, well, what about this? And I was like, motherfuckers, this whole time I can remember Top Chef. I watched Top Chef religiously for like most of the early 2000s. Really? Yeah. I watched, I watched that show. I watched almost every episode of that show. It's for six or seven seasons. It's really well done. Are you watching the older stuff or is is it like current? What I normally do with that reality TV is I start with the most current season and then I kind of go backwards like I did that with the Project Runway. Is it still uh, Padme? Yes. She's still hosting it. As of like season 15. Chef Caligula. Yeah. Caligula. Not Caligula. (laughs) 
Caligio? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, as of now. I mean, I don't know, because I don't know if it's, yeah. That's the show I want to watch. Top Chef? Chef Caligula's cooking show. <laughs> Speaking of necrophilia. No, that's my, oh, no. And cannibalism. Let's, let's not. <laughs> so we have, we have a, uh, we have a mutual friend. Um, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say her name, but okay. she, she's an English teacher that you've probably met through my food group. And then she was at, she was, she's been at a couple parties here, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very wonderful, very wonderful lady. But when, when I was in high school, she told us this story about how, um, she was, this was back when like, like Circle K's or your convenience store has rented movies. There'd be like, a little oh, sure, sure. Like, yeah. Sure. So she was there and she saw Caligula and she thought, oh, this will be interesting. It's a movie about a Roman emperor. No clue that this was the actual penthouse version of that movie. Oh my god! So <laughs> she was quite appalled. And then if there might there's probably some people in your audience that are like, "Oh, I got to go look this up now." I mean, right? I don't, but, where would you even find? Well, I guess maybe it's somewhere on the internet. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, it's probably on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be a delight. To anyway, okay. That's not what happened. I there's no Caligula in in Top Chef. It's just pure cooking competition. Yeah, it's um, good. Very it's pure. Really good yeah, show, yeah, yeah. And you know how I am feel about like the racial injustices of some of those things, but also that it's just done well. Like I'm watching that and comparing that to Master Chef, which is um is the one that uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Hell's Kitchen because I do like a co- good cooking show competition, Hell's Kitchen, and it just there's just it's not this Hell's Kitchen isn't even close to Top Chef. No. Yeah. I, th- I think I think Hell's Kitchen started before Top Chef. No, no, Top Chef's been around a long time. Well, Hell's Kitchen has been around a long time. Huh. I'm, I, th- I might be wrong, but I think Hell's Kitchen started first. Mm. Um, but Top Top Chef is more Top Chef. Top Chef is an actual cooking show, correct? Whereas Hell's Kitchen is a Gordon Ramsay screaming yes, show. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It really. The other day, I was watching. I was trying to get through. Um, yeah. Hell's Kitchen and 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 the team was just bombing so bad. I just I couldn't watch it. It was just too painful. But yeah, yeah this one is definitely definitely good stuff. So and now that I'm on my cooking my cooking spree, like I made a grapefruit cake, it's quite delicious, right? I'm like <laughs> basically I can be on any of these shows. So <laughs> I could. I mean that stuff is they make foam, so it's all good stuff. So yeah. you guys check it out if you're looking for something. Yeah, okay. sounds good. Cool beans. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. This has been Renee. Jeff and what the what? What the what? Hi, thanks for listening. That was what the what. You can follow us on social media at, at WTW Popcast, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also email us at wtwpopcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Special Feather. And you can find me on Twitter at the BW Fans and on YouTube, Bandwagon Fans. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.